What is grace? Grace is community. Grace is passion. Grace is for everyone. Today we wrap up our series on collections. Uh, Next week begins a brand new church year with the Advent season where we symbolically prepare for the birth of Jesus Christ. But before we get to Christmas, we pause here to celebrate the end of the Christian year as we declare Christ as King and we also have Thanksgiving. We recall all that God has given us in this last year and offer our gratitude to the Lord. In our series on collections, we've looked at different members of the church and the collections they keep. We heard about milk bottles and the humble milkman who helped knit a community together. Last week was an artist who offered her talent to God during the pandemic to bless those who needed a connection. Uh, Today we have another one. We actually had more people willing to share their collections than we had weeks for this series. So perhaps we'll have to come back to this another, another time, but... One thought was about the beautiful collection of nativity sets that this church displays every year. And I invite you, next, next week we'll have those out. Come and take a look at those. So for now, after working out schedules, we landed on a collection that I think will make many of us very happy. Today we present a collection from our church uh, and that has a storied history. But first, let's hear our scripture for today. Kelly is going to read for us. The passage comes from the Apostle Paul writing to a city he had previously visited. His letter is one of thanksgiving as he tells this small church that even in persecution and loss, there is hope. Let's listen now to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 12 through 24. Hear now the word of the Lord. But we appeal to you, brothers and sisters, to respect those who labor among you, and have charge of you in the Lord and admonish you. Esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves, and we urge you, beloved, to admonish the idlers, encourage the faith-hearted, help the weak, be patient with all of them. See that none of you repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to all. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Jesus Christ for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise the words of prophets, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. May the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do this. And from Colossians 3.16, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom, and with gratitude in your heart, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And one final verse for us today, Psalm 95.1 says, O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. This is the word of the Lord for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, make us an inclusive community passionately following Jesus Christ. Work in our lives today that we would grow in gratitude and grow in grace as we seek to do your will in this world. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. 
this week I was able to interview someone about a collection from right here at Grace. It's a collection that has grown over many years, and part of it is just feet away from you, and yet you may not have ever noticed it. Let's hear from Kevin about this collection, uh, and I, I know earlier today they were trying to repair this uh, screen on the right, so it looked a little bit better for you today. Uh, it didn't work so well, so put your attention on the screen on the left here, all right? Let's, let's watch the video now. Tell me about your collection. All right, well, it's not my collection. Um, it's just, I'm just the steward of it at this time. Um, this is Grace's collection, and it really excites me very much. Um, if you look here, and I think the pastor can show you more of it, these are our filing cabinets that are holding more than 2,000 pieces of anthems. So we have a gigantic collection of music in this church. So while we're talking about the collection at this church, we can't neglect our collection of instruments. We have several that are really very special um, and really rather profound. Um, you know, <laughs> of course, the organ. This organ is probably one of the most interesting facets of the whole building. Um, one of the things I appreciate most about it is that it has pipes that are as old, if not older, then Grace Church. And by Grace Church, I mean the Patterson Grace Church. Can you tell me about our choir? Can you just, just a word about where the choir was before the pandemic and what's happening in this Christmas season? Sure. Uh, before the pandemic, most of the choir had moved to either Florida or North Carolina or South Carolina. Um, and then we did unfortunately and very sadly lose several members um, several members passed away. Um, one person has taken ill and has not been able to return uh, physically to this building. And so the foundational choir that we had when I arrived, they're mostly no longer with us. But after three years of the pandemic, Pastor Brian said, hey, can we do a Christmas choir? And I said, let's give it a try. I'll try anything. Um, and so I started emailing people and talking to people and inviting people. So I was, I was expecting 20 people to show up at rehearsal, which I thought would have been phenomenal. A choir of 20 people in this church, fantastic. We had 33. All right, so can you just say a word about how people felt on that first day of the choir? I was in a meeting with several people from the church last night, and one person in that meeting um, was in the choir, and is in the choir now, and she's new to the choir here, and she said, that she felt such joy in the rehearsal and that she was so happy to sit in this building and be with these people and feel such joy. And that's my job. That has always been my job, to cultivate joy, to cultivate a, spe a, 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 a place of happiness, of music making, of joy. That's what we do in choir. It's, it's love. It's all love. I would rather a happy choir and bad music, but it's funny, God takes care of the music. If we come with open hearts and joy, God makes the music good. It always works. All right, and you can watch 
the whole interview after our service on our YouTube channel. Uh, Kevin was very generous with his time, and I'm very grateful that he was willing to interview. And as I interviewed him, one of the things that stuck out for me, and you'll see this if you watch the full interview, is how knowledgeable he was on the stories and history of the composers of all those uh, compositions. He cared as much about the music as why they made the music and the circumstances of the composition. When it came to our pipe organ, he knew the history of Grace United Methodist Church with all the floods and fire that happened over more than 160 years of church ministry. It's not just about the sheet music or the pipe organs. It's the story of people who love God who cherish their community, and who seek to make the world a better place. What an incredible story. As we reflect on uh, this particular collection uh, and God's call in our lives, I want to share with you a Thanksgiving joke. Uh, maybe this will help uh, when you're with your family later, later this week. It's about three college freshmen that are heading back home from school on Thanksgiving break. They buy their three tickets when right next to them are three seniors who buy just one ticket. The freshmen are curious, how can you ride with just one ticket? And the seniors tell them, watch and learn. So the train starts to move, and the three seniors have all crammed into the bathroom. When the train conductor comes by, he knocks on the bathroom door and says, ticket, please. Out comes a single ticket, and the conductor moves on. At the end of break, though, when the freshmen are returning home, they get in line and decide they're going to try this trick. It works so good for the seniors. They buy just one ticket for the three of them, and then next to them are the seniors again, this time they purchased no ticket at all. The freshmen are confounded. How can they go with no ticket at all? And the senior says, watch and learn. As the train begins to move, the three freshmen get in the bathroom, and the three seniors get in the bathroom across the hall. As the freshmen close the door, though, a senior sneaks out of the bathroom, goes across the hall, knocks on the bathroom door, and says, ticket, please. <laughs> So if you use that one at Thanksgiving meal this week, let me know. Tell me how it goes, all right? When we think of Thanksgiving, it's not all jokes, though. Often we think of the food, the family gathered together, and sometimes we even remember to be thankful for all that we have. That's probably a good thing to be thankful. Research shows pretty consistently that gratitude makes us happier. Uh, when we feel gratitude, we have more positive emotions. Our health is better. We have better relationships, and we can even handle problems better. But for many, this may not feel like a year to give thanks. You might be struggling with health problems or financial problems. Uh, last year, there was the great resignation as 50 million people quit their jobs. Now we are hearing how about one in four regret quitting and almost half say their new jobs aren't living up to their expectations. That is not a great recipe for gratitude. I know for me, seeing my family on Thanksgiving Day always has at least a little bit of anxiety attached to it. What if someone brings up politics or, God forbid, religion? Maybe this Thanksgiving you don't have any family to see. All kinds of things can hold us back in this season. You can say it's good for you to be grateful, but that doesn't necessarily mean you can do it. This might be a terrible year for you, and there may seem to be nothing to be grateful for. There will be no jokes told at your Thanksgiving table. Well, the Apostle Paul wants to encourage you today. 
We looked at this same book, Thessalonians, just a couple of weeks ago. We heard about the really difficult trial that Paul went through. Just before this city, Paul had been beaten and thrown in jail illegally. He probably still had the marks on his body when he met the folks in Thessaloniki. Uh, so after he helps grow this church and moves on to a new area, those who were converted and believed in God uh, were now themselves experiencing persecution like Paul had. Changing their lives, committing to Jesus Christ may have felt good in the moment when they were first converted, but what good was it doing for them now that others were not convinced? What good was faith when it led to others mocking them and abusing them? I imagine some of them were very much considering abandoning the faith. It just didn't seem worth it, like there was even anything to be grateful for. In verses 12 and 13, Paul talks about the patrons of the church. These are the people who probably had a larger home so the church could gather together. They are also probably the only ones who know how to read in the church. Most people at that time were functionally illiterate, so the host with the home and the education was like the leader of the group. Some members of the church were being resistant to the leader, and Paul says, hey, cool it. Show them some love because they are working for your benefit be at peace. He comments on the idlers who were people who could work but refused to do so. He says the church needs to correct their behavior. In his next book, Second Thessalonians, he gets even tougher and says, if you don't work, you don't eat. And then the apostle starts in on some encouragements. He tells them to inspire the faint-hearted. Those are the people who are self-denigrating. They are hard on themselves and may have low self-esteem. I've had one or two conversations with Kevin on this point. I've joked that I can't really sing. And I love how Kevin always steps in. He says, anyone can sing. They may want some training so they can sing the way that they want to, but God delights in every voice that is lifted to him. Kevin is following through on Paul's command to encourage the faint-hearted. And then Paul reminds us of the words of Jesus, don't repay evil for evil, but always seek to do good for one another. Jesus said it this way, if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. Real good doesn't come by fighting tooth and nail to defeat whatever we deem as evil. Good comes when we repay evil with more good. That's when we hear his most challenging words, yet rejoice always Pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. Now I have to wonder, is the Apostle Paul telling us to ignore our troubles? Is he saying you should never have a bad day? That's how some people think, never have a bad day. Just ignore the problems, ignore the haters, they're all just jealous anyways. Now that's actually a very specific philosophy called skepticism. They're so skeptical, they don't even believe we can know anything for sure. So problems, pain, suffering, bad days, just ignore it. It is radical doubt of everything around us. And Paul would say adamantly, no, no, don't doubt. Believe. Put your trust in God. Believe in Jesus because when you trust the Lord, you really can rejoice always. You can give thanks no matter what is happening in your life. 
Now, that may seem counterintuitive to us, so let me share an example. This week, I went to visit with Charlotte. Uh, some of you will know she's been in and out of the hospital over the last year or so. The church has been faithful to visit with her and, and to pray with her and encourage her in each of these trips. Last week, I saw her in the hospital, and she was clearly exhausted. She had been up all night with tests, and I, I woke her up around noon, and within about 30 seconds, she had fallen back asleep again. I ended up leaving communion for her and praying for her as she slept. And then this week, she was moved to rehab. I went back to see her, and she told me she was doing much better. She said her breathing was much improved. I found that tough to hear because her breathing right then sounded so ragged. If she sounded like this now, what must it have been like a week ago when she first went into the hospital? And yet, as I spoke with her and asked about her hospital stay and her time in rehab, she had nothing but positive things to say. She told me how wonderful all the staff of the hospital were. She told me about the love and support she received from her family and friends from the church. And she told me how, most of all, she was grateful that God was with her no matter what she was going through. And that fact alone outstripped every other challenge that she might face. No matter what, she is never alone. No matter what, she is a beloved child of God. Then Thursday, Carol met with me, and she told me how she used to deliver soup for the soup ministry with Charlotte, Carol said she used to be nervous going to the home of a stranger. If you know Carol, I know that's really hard to imagine. She's so outgoing and so cheerful with everyone, but she was so grateful to Charlotte for all that she had learned from her. She goes with Christ into every home she enters, in every scenario she finds herself in, and she knows that because Charlotte taught her those things, she can go with confidence. She goes with the Lord. I bet many of us would want to be more like that, to have that confidence to be full of faith no matter what the situation is. It's not ignoring the problem. It's not burying your head in the sand. It's conviction that God is always there, and that is worth celebrating. Carol and Charlotte are a great example of how to grow in this way. In our Sunday night Bible study over the last few weeks, we've been looking at the Jesus Challenge. It's been an encouragement to practice the ancient spiritual disciplines that help us to love God, love our neighbor, and even to love our enemy. It takes more than just wishful thinking to do that, though. We have to take the small steps of obedience to do good when someone does evil to us, to pray even when we feel like things are falling apart to follow a friend into a stranger's home to do some mission work. These are small steps, yes, but they take us to big places. It's the same way we can get to a place where we are always rejoicing, always giving thanks. Build discipline into your life. Keep a gratitude journal that lists all the good things you see. Charlotte, she is so practiced at this, even in this hospital, she highlights all the blessings around her. She's able to pray every day, naming these blessings and gifts, even when it's hard. These are the disciplines, the habits that we build into our life to be more grateful. And 33 of you have actually found the cheat code to do this more. Have you heard this before? Those who sing, pray twice. 
our choir relaunching takes the, uh, is, such a, is such a point of joy for us because it fills our hearts and our gratitude takes the form of song. Uh, later in the week, we uh, continue to sing these same songs, praising God through thick and thin. It is the ultimate command from God here to sing, to praise, to worship God in every circumstance, because in every circumstance, we know that God is there. God is watching, caring for us, supporting us, and loving us. So let's end with this. Uh, Lee Horton had been sentenced to a life in prison. After 25 years, though, he was granted clemency. He says, For all the time I've been in prison, every time I was transported anywhere, I always had handcuffs on. And for the first time when I didn't, that was the most emotional moment that I had. Even when they told me that the governor had signed the papers for my release, it didn't set in until I was in that car and didn't have those handcuffs on. And I don't think people understand that the punishment is being in prison. When you take away everything, everything can become beautiful to you. When we got out, when we went to the DMV to get our licenses back, my brother and I stood in line for two and a half hours and we heard all the bad things about the DMV, but we had the most beautiful time. And all the people were looking at us because we were smiling and we were laughing and they couldn't understand why we were so happy. And it was just because in that line, being in that line, was a beautiful thing. I was in awe of everything around me. It's like my mind was just heightened to every small nuance just to be able to look out a window walk down a street and inhale the fresh air to see people interacting. It woke something up in me. One of my morning rituals is to send a message of good morning, good morning, good morning, have a nice day to all my contacts. And they're like, how long can you keep doing this? But they don't understand what it was like. Now that I've been released, I've been reborn into a better day, into a new day. The person I was no longer exists. I've stepped out onto the other side, and everything is beautiful. Lee's story reminds us what a life of gratitude looks like. It's being so practiced in a new way of life that you become a new person. You are reborn into Christ where all of life is beautiful because Jesus is all around us, blessing us, walking with us, so may you have this kind of gratitude in your life, celebrating all that God is doing and sing about it like a 33-person choir who can't wait to share the good news with the world. Amen? Amen. For everything happening at Grace, check out our website at gumc.org.